This is your reminder, Black Lives Matter. This is Soccer Better, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. We're Liz and Laura Ellen. Between the two of us, we have way too many years of graduate education to be helpful. We decided to journey into the world of critical thinking and the analytical side of all things soccer. Join us as we discover how we can all soccer better. Liz, we are back with episode nine of season two of Soccer Better. This is the last article that we're going to be reviewing for season two. Can you believe that we've made it this far? Um, I can believe that we've made it this far because we both like to talk to each other and talk in general. But I was a little worried that it was going to be hard to find articles. And I'm really impressed that we could find such a variety of articles. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. But we'll get into all of our thoughts about the season on the next episode, episode 10 of Soccer Better. Um, And we're going to do a full season recap. So we don't want to spoil any of our thoughts uh, before we get there. So you're just going to have to wait another two weeks uh, to listen to it. Yeah, your lives are very hard because we know you love listening to us. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. That's the point. Uh, I guess unless you're like binge listening. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Okay. This episode's article is entitled Building Social Cohesion Between Christians and Muslims Through Soccer in Post-ISIS Iraq. Um, And this was by a single author, uh, Musa, and it was published in 2020, which is very exciting. So I did try and find a uh, updated recent article. Uh, And so here we are. And... um, Musa is uh, at Stanford, but this research takes place in Iraq, which I think, you know, anyway. Um, So in this article, they looked at, um, so they talk about how Christians are a minority in Iraq and are often um, thought of negatively. And there's a lot of tension between Christians and Muslims in Iraq, which I think most of us know. And I guess maybe I should take a step back and say here that we're really interested from the point of bringing two groups together who may not otherwise be together rather than kind of the religious aspect of this, which the paper is very much about the social aspect and like social conflict. And can we use soccer to bridge? Yeah, it just happens social that conflict. it because of the area and he really focuses on war like severe discord between two groups and like war-torn iraq is a great place to study two um very confrontational groups and you know some ingrained beliefs and if there's the ability to bridge those gaps and make a more united country um after such uh, incredible conflict yes uh and so what musa did was Uh, set up an experiment, which I loved about this article, that um, it was a Christian soccer league. And for some of the teams, he added a couple Muslim players to the Christian uh, team. You know, they played their season. And then he looked at what the effect was on different um, categories based on you know, the person's exposure to interacting on the soccer team with um, Muslim players. So that's kind of like the overarching thing. We'll get into the results in a little bit here. Liz, was there anything that kind of stood out to you about the premise of this article? So I think that it was very unique that, and I, and I understand it um, based on like the country and what's going on there, but like that, his one of his biggest things was we need to make sure that these Christian players 
are very comfortable in their original setting and that they have like we're going to try and reduce all of their biases as much as possible so like it in the one hand for me as like reading other research papers I was like oh man that's like a huge skew because you were only working with Christian based um, teams but as he explains in his paper and as he gets more into it I was like oh I see why he did that because if he wanted to test all of these other things then he had to start with someone in a comfortable place and with an open mind to um, express their feelings and to give actual results. Um, one thing I did want to note is he did have a control group where he added like Christian teams where he added new Christian players so that he could test some of his theories. And I thought it was, um, it was a nice way to make sure that he could correctly compare how people treated outsiders introduced into a new group. And like, uh, if it made an effect on how they treated um, the Muslim players. So that was very interesting. Yeah. And I thank you for pointing that out because I do think that's an, that's a really important, important aspect, right. Of this research that it wasn't just end of his experiment, that it wasn't just, okay, here's a soccer team that's just played together for, you know, a couple of seasons. It was, let's add new players to all the teams, but some of the players are going to be Christian. So, seemingly more similar to the existing team and some of the players are going to be muslim with like this key um unique feature um okay great and so what he was looking at uh his outcomes that he was particularly interested in were behavioral and attitudinal outcomes and he had some surveys here um which were you know kind of like specific to the you know Iraqi Muslim context which I think is really important and I think as Westerners reading this paper right in the U.S. kind of like Christianity as a very broad spectrum is kind of the dominant culture here but I think it's important for us to recognize that in this context Christianity is the minority um, you know religion or culture there and I think that's an important thing that as we're reading this and I think that was something for me that as I was reading this, I had to keep reminding myself. I was like, oh, wait, you know, this is kind of like opposite the way that we would think about it if this same thing was happening in the U.S. Right. There, He was definitely testing the views and the ability to find commonality from the point of view of the minority, which I also think is unique. You don't often hear about that. Like usually in a lot of our articles that we've read this season were about how do you incorporate that minority and make sure that the majority treats them more fairly as opposed to how do you make the minority more comfortable because I think that gets to a lot of other aspects that he talks about about how they will then you know interact with the community and how that can have um, broader changes yeah absolutely so looking at the results of this paper and I should say this was a pretty short um paper which you know i appreciate a nice concise paper that looks at a very targeted thing that says what it needs to say as quickly as possible um so anyway but there was still a lot to like dig into this which i thought was nice was there anything um just that first glance and the results that really stood out to you liz i think that the result that i was most surprised by was um, that the friendships that were forged on the field and the progress that the, he saw there extended to the stands, so family and fans who supported those same teams, but did not necessarily expand into the community. And so there was, there is a progression that I didn't expect, but then there, because I saw that progression, I was really excited for the next paragraph. And then I was like, oh, 
okay, we have we have more to do. So that was my most surprising result. What about you? What was the the thing that stood out for you? I think it stood out for me. I don't I don't know if I would sit and think about it. It would be surprising, but that the effect of the treatment, which in this case the treatment is having uh, the new players on your team be Muslim, um, that the 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 positive or you know what he was looking for increased if your team was more successful which i think is like a very uh yeah i think if i would sit and think about it i'd be like okay yeah that makes sense but um i i was like oh right yeah okay well that does make sense right you know if if you as a collective are more successful then i would you know it makes sense to me from just kind of like a logic standpoint it makes sense to me that then you would think more positively of those new members, you know, and it would be interesting. And I guess I didn't, I didn't notice it in particular. And so maybe I missed it, but it'd be interesting to look at how did the like core original team do in the previous season? Like, were they successful in the previous season? And then with these new players, did they become more successful or they weren't successful before? And now they were, you know what I mean? Like seeing that change over time, um, because if you go from like being the worst in the league to then these like Muslim players are added and then you like shoot up to the top of the league, does that like, is yeah. the effect proportionate to also that change? Musa, if you're but listening, anyway, that- we have your next study for you. So what you've got to do is say, right? right. You take <laughs> these groups at different levels and introduce the Muslim players and see how much, like how big of a jump success means. Like is every little bit a big thing or is it that you have to make big jumps or if you stay the same like we got your next study we're, we're helping you out here yeah exactly uh you're welcome uh we're giving you more work which i feel like is is a theme right across all of our episodes like oh researcher out there if you're listening here's more work um but i think going back to your point about it not continuing in the community that's something that i noticed as well and i think was a it was sad to me, which maybe I shouldn't be, you know, sad, but I was like really hopeful that it would make a difference in the community, that it would make a difference off the field. And then he's like, yeah, it didn't really continue off the field. Right. I think also part of it was, so the way that he tested that portion of it was two things. One, they had like a social event where they invited their significant others and in this case, that was mostly women. And so he was like, do you feel safe enough to bring women to an event where there's someone that you're traditionally uncomfortable with? Um, and then the second one was they got vouchers to go to restaurants in Muslim communities. And the party went well. Like, everyone was willing to bring their significant others, and no one seemed to have a problem with that. And, I mean, across the board, that that wasn't an issue. Um, it was going into the communities and dining at a restaurant. To be fair, like, I don't know what the conversion rate is, but the voucher seemed pretty small to me. So it was probably for a single meal. If you're going alone and one person has to pay, does that make a big difference? Also, the travel time was like 40 minutes, which is probably because of how the communities are set up. 40 minute travel time for an $8 meal, um, which I think is the US conversion. I was like, eh, I don't know if I would travel 40 miles for, or 40 minutes for an $8 meal. So I think that there might be um, more ways to test that and see, you know, if there are ways to push that, push that envelope and and get that communication. Um, But for this study specifically, like it just, it wasn't enough to get them over that hump and get them into the the communities where they don't traditionally shop or eat or hang out. 
Yeah, no, I think that's an excellent point. And, you know, thinking about my own kind of life and my own decisions, right? The people that I will kind of go out of my way, you know, 40 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it is to support them or engage with them or, you know, put myself, you know, it has to be a pretty strong bond. Yeah. Right. You know, it's not just an acquaintance, you know, that I just meet that I'm going to go out of my way to like engage with their like broader community. Um, And so that is interesting. Um, Liz, do you have other thoughts about um, the kind of the results of this article? Because I think there's a lot to say for like broader next steps. But if you have other things about the article, I want to hear that first. Yeah, I think that something that we haven't touched on is how they analyze new players. So at the end of the season, they were supposed to say like a best new player, um, I think probably in the league. It just wasn't your team because then the the base groups that got Christian players wouldn't have been um, as involved or, you know, so I think you're supposed to pick someone from a different team. But they did find that the players that had Muslim players put onto their team were more likely to recommend a Muslim player. And to me, this says, like, that's even a Muslim player they didn't play with. Um, I think that's in the, the article, that it was someone that they hadn't played with, that they were willing to nominate them as the best new player to their league or their division, which I think shows a, a substantial amount of growth that I didn't quite expect for one season. Like, this is a short period of time, and we don't know how many, how long their season was like what if it was like 12 games do you know what I mean like this is a short period of time for you to be like oh yeah I noticed this individual that I played against and I saw how he interacted with his team and I never had like locker room contact with him I didn't meet his friends and family like I never had anything else but I think that he is the best person best new person to our league that's a big deal to me yeah yeah no I think so also and I think that's that's a good highlight um from this I think this this article gave me you know although you know as we've just talked about the the long maybe not long term but like the external effects like into the community weren't um as great it would be interesting to see over time if that changes right so like if you engage with different or the same Muslim players like as a Christian team over time are you then more likely to begin to reach out or like go into that community or you know what do those friendships or relationships look like building over time so I think there's certainly a longitudinal aspect to this which I also would imagine doing this work and then having COVID kind of shut everything down as with so much research right I think um, is particularly heartbreaking Um, But I really felt like this was just such a great example of just like the way that soccer can be such an eye-opening, heart-opening, relational, expanding thing, right? And I think this is just like, I don't know, that was just really uplifting to me. I was like, this is a nice article to be our last article of the season you know um it was a nice article and that they got they got buy-in from the christian community so the leaders in those communities were like hey this is a good idea let's see if this is a way that you know we can incorporate ourselves back into the society 
where we're the minority and we have to find a way to get along and we have to find a way to feel comfortable with each other and we have to find a way to get past stereotypes that you've heard for so long and that you've I mean especially in a war area like you've probably experienced more stereotypes um, than the normal person so getting over those things really does take community buy-in I would like to see if there would be community buy-in on the other end so going back to the success factor if you could take like the top whatever four or five uh christian teams and insert muslim players from some of the you know the lower teams on muslim organizations and the top four or five muslim teams and insert players from the lower division christian teams and trying to you know shake up that a little bit and get just more elite teams that are more diverse. I don't know if that would actually work because I'm taking bad players and putting them with good players, but based on some of our other research, it seems possible. Yeah, and it would be, and right, and I think that would also depend on what is the actual range of skills from the top to the bottom of the league, right? Yes. Is it, you know, is it like the Premier League that like the very top of the league is significantly better than the very bottom of the league? Or is it like, I don't know, some other division somewhere where it's like pretty, you know, there may be one or two good standouts, but then the rest of it is pretty tight throughout the rest. You know, the, the bottom, you know, the quote unquote bottom teams still have a chance to make it to like, you know, third, fourth, fifth, second place, you know. Right. Or are there just more ways to like, to shake it up, I guess. I mean, the, the communities and the organizations would know about it, but I think it would be interesting to see if this, because these players were more willing to train with, you know, Muslim players, even in the off season, you'd be like, oh yeah, like if I saw them at a park, I would have a problem doing a pickup game basically. So just having that opportunity to be like, let's shake things up even more. Um, and maybe it's not the regular season. Maybe it's during off season where they're doing, you know, practices and they're like, like it's a sub season or a, I don't know, something a little bit different. So it doesn't put you totally outside of your comfort zone be like, well, but I want to win the league. And like you're putting these players you know, so I, I don't know. There's there's so many variables. Right. Yeah, exactly. Or even like some kind of one day tournament or something. You know, I feel like it would be so interesting, you know, thinking about, you know, maybe a U.S. context of having a one day tournament where people sign up as like individuals and then you just get randomly put on teams. Right. That would be such an interesting experiment, like randomly put people on teams based on like a variety of factors and kind of do a survey and be like, okay, what was your like overall experience? Like, did you enjoy your teammates? Did you enjoy meeting new people? Um, Because I think that's one of the things that right in the U S we have not had an outright uh, civil war in the way that like ISIS has, you know, ravaged Iraq, but there certainly is much conflict in the U.S. Yes. And so as re- as I was reading this article, I was thinking about, okay, what are ways that we can engage or we can promote engagement with different groups of people? And is it, you know, engagement with immigrants or, you know, I, you know, I don't know. Um, did you have thoughts about how to bring this back to the U.S.? No, I mean, I guess for me, my biggest thing was that just because I see growth at our tailgates or just because I see growth within my supporters group or inside of the stadium for my team in general, that I need to push that envelope and try to do more and say, okay, like we've taken this step. How can we take that to the next step to get 
further into the communities. I think like the community aspect for me is just really big, like going places that I normally wouldn't travel and saying, hey, let's all meet up at this different place. Or, you know, especially once COVID is over. But like there's this group of four people and they invited me. And even though I don't, they all know each other really well. They took that time to invite me. I'm going to step additionally outside my comfort zone. Like if I'm really comfortable with them at tailgate, and I do it when it's easy. I need to do it when it's a little bit difficult. So encouraging that kind of behavior and, and just adopting that kind of behavior was my biggest takeaway from this article. What was your yeah. takeaway? Yeah, no, I think actually you touched on uh, my big takeaway. And it's really just like showing up. And I think especially in the U.S. for the, you know, for the most part. And this is like coming from someone who is incredibly privileged and white, right? But um I think for the most part, especially for me as a white person, I do not fear violence like toward myself in most situations. And so I think it's that thing of, you know, when someone who maybe is, you know, more of an acquaintance than you would consider a close friend invites you into their space, into their like community, you know, and, and that could just be, hey, it's a neighborhood I haven't been to, right? Like, I'm super comfortable being anywhere in, you know, in my neighborhood. But, you know, we live in Pittsburgh and there's three rivers, right? And so you send me across a river and over a bridge and through a tunnel. And I'm like, I don't know about, like, being in that area because I'm not familiar with it. You know, even if it's a geographic thing, I think there's truly something to be said for just showing up. Right. For just being the person who's like, hey, you know what? You're having a picnic or a birthday, you know, a birthday party, whatever the thing. Right. I'm going to show up. And and I think that can go such a long way, not for your relate, just not just for your relationship with that person, but also for your own kind of exposure to new cultures and new ideas and new ways of looking at the world. I mean, I think that's such an important thing. Um Clearly, I'm very passionate yeah. <laughs> about showing up and just kind of putting yourself out there. Because, like, what do you have to lose, right? If you don't like it, if it's, like, really that terrible, then you can just leave, you know? And I think that that is something else that this article um, taught both of us based on your what you've just said, is that as the majority, we need to go where the minority is comfortable. And we need to start there so that we can learn more things. And when we come back, we can have conversations that will make my area more comfortable and more safe for the minority so not just saying well of course you can come to my house my house is a safe space for people you know a minority and it's like that's great but that doesn't mean that your like neighborhood makes them feel comfortable when they leave my house how are they going to feel do they just want me to be like instead of just like a lot of my friends come over a lot so when they leave i wave and i say drive safe do i need to walk them to the car whenever they are finally a you know, comfortable coming to my house? Do I need to put forth extra effort to give them a hug on my stoop? Maybe. And I need to be able to have that conversation. But if I don't go to a community where they're comfortable to see how they interact, I'll never know what steps I might need to take to make them comfortable in my community and to make my community comfortable with someone from, you know, someone that's different, introducing differences to my community. Yeah, exactly. And I think to, um, you know, to really name it here, right? You know, sometimes it's, you know, as two white people, right? Like sometimes it is about going into black communities, you know, where we have friends or, you know, having our black friends over. But I think it also like goes beyond that. I think it goes with, 
you know, our trans friends or, you know, our friends who are of a different religion or, you know, whether it's uh, a difference that is immediately visible or not, right? Like that sometimes matters, but that doesn't always matter. That's not always the thing, right? If it's someone who has a really heavy accent or, you know, whatever it may be, and maybe they're not comfortable coming to an area where, you know, I don't know, they don't know the police or, you know, something. I know that can be really challenging. So providing that support to people um, and and just being okay with being uncomfortable, right? Like being okay, like existing in a place where, right? It's not about us. It's not about you and I, Liz, being comfortable, right? This is about reaching out and having other people be comfortable and meeting them where they are and meeting them in their space when they invite us into that space. Yeah. And and because of 2020, I don't really think it's about anyone being truly comfortable. I think it's about pushing that envelope to actually create a better world because there is a whole, you know, ideology and shift and there's been you know, don't rock the boat um, mentalities for a lot of things for a lot of times with people who are in your lives. You know what I mean? Like you don't rock the boat with your grandparents. You don't rock the boat with some of your close friends. Like I agree with them 80% of the time. So this 20%, like I'm just going to ignore something that they said. And I think that this article and, and the world today in 2020 really has shown me just I need to rock the boat because it's the only way to get to a better place. If we don't have open and frank conversations, we lose the ability to communicate. Absolutely. Wow, Liz, we we brought it today. <laughs> yeah, we, we went, did not hold any punches. We, we went rocked the boat somewhere with this article for sure. I hope you exactly traveled with us. Yes, come along on the rocky boat ride. Um. Liz, do you have anything else about this article before we uh, wrap up? No, I like the article. I hope that he keeps doing stuff. I hope that this has inspired those groups to investigate how to push this even further. Like, this this was a good article. Yeah, and I think this takes soccer better and takes it to another level about how we can live better and how we can be better, which is exactly what we're all about. Yes, Liz is nodding. Sorry, yes. Can't you hear my nod? I don't understand. All right. How does radio work? Yes, how does audio only work? All right, Liz, I will talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you to our host, the Beautiful Game Network. BGN covers teams across the MLS, USL Championship, and USL League One. Check out podcasts and written content at bgn.fm. You can follow us on Twitter at BGN Soccer Better. Head over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Otherwise, let us know what you think about today's show and be sure to share it with a friend. Thanks, everyone. Remember, you can always soccer better. Thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to USL, MLS, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at icarusfc.com.